0: You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, we're just going to be looking at verses 8 through 12 today. And we're studying through this letter from the Apostle Paul written to Timothy. It's his second letter that we have for, in the New Testament. Thus, it's called 2 Timothy. But it's also the last letter that the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament. And we know that he's writing this from prison. He's, he says as much in his letter. And we know that uh, this is not the first time he's been in prison, but this will ultimately be the last because in this occasion, he will he will be martyred and executed for his faith. And this is a hard place that the the Apostle is in. He's not in a He was prior in a prison where he was under something of a house arrest, able to visit, have guests visit, and he was continuing to minister. But this is different. He's in what most believe was a dungeon in Rome. We see it again in the writing. He's cold. He's lonely. He's been deserted. And he writes to Timothy, and it becomes something of his final words to Timothy, his young co-laborer in the ministry. Timothy is at a church in Ephesus, a very large, prominent church in the first century. And Paul is encouraging Timothy and instructing him to stay true to the ministry. And as we read these passages together today and in weeks to come, I think you will hear the apostle's heart just kind of passing the baton of faith to Timothy, kind of some last words of encouragement. Timothy, I'm not sure how how it's going to go with me. This could be my closing days, but I want you to stay strong. And I want you to continue to be faithful with the gospel message of Christ and with the ministry that he's called and entrusted to to you. And I want you to remember that even though this is a letter from one man written to another in the first century, it's also something that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit and preserved for us in the New Testament. I want you to recognize that this is the spirit of God speaking, not just to Timothy and his generation, But I I want you to consider that maybe God is speaking these words to you and me in our generation. And this passion that you hear from Paul, it's really the passion of God speaking to his servants. Hey, be faithful. Hang in there. Don't be weary. Stay strong. Stay true to the message, to the truth, to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope that your heart will sense that even as we read it today, that you will be challenged. You will recognize this is God speaking to all of us and encouraging us in our walk. You know, we talk a lot about the gospel. It's written all through the New Testament. What is is the gospel? Well, literally, gospel means good news. But we've come to know it in the New Testament as the good news from God for men. It's a message. It's a truth that God has declared to mankind. This gospel, this good news, it's God's message of truth to man revealed through the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. When we say the gospel, we're talking about Jesus, his life, what he taught, what he accomplished at the death on the cross, at the resurrection. There's a message in Jesus' life and teaching. There's a truth. God's saying something to man. And that message, we know it as the gospel. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God is saying something to man. God is saying something to the world. And and the message that he is communicating is the message of Jesus Christ. Well, what is God saying? You want to know what God is saying? Study the life of Christ. Study the claims and the teaching of Christ. And you will know what God is trying to communicate to mankind through his life. That includes his birth, his deeds, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, and everything that he taught. Everything that he said. In fact, in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament, right? We know those. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John what do we often refer to those first, first four books as? The Gospels. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke. It is the message of Jesus. And this is something that is important to be continued through from generation to generation, that we continue to declare God's message from heaven for men in the life and person of Jesus Christ. I've entitled today's message, Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. And you'll hear this in Paul's words. Pick it up with me. Chapter 2 of 2nd, excuse me, chapter 1 of 2nd Timothy. And just for context, I'm going to start in verse 7, but our main text is verse 8 through 11. Remember where we left off last week, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God has empowered us. God has empowered you, Timothy, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, The, the witness, the testimony, the teaching of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, nor of me, Paul, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, And a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You hear Paul's emphasis, Timothy? Don't shy back from this message of Jesus. In fact, even if it brings suffering into your life, as it has mine, join with me in whatever you have to endure to stay true to this message. Don't be ashamed. Don't retreat. Don't, don't hide below the radar concerning this message of truth for mankind that God has sent his son to die on a cross for the sins of men that we might be forgiven, that we might know him in relationship and enjoy with him eternal life. This is a profound truth. Paul wants to make sure Timothy stays true. Now, I'm going kind to of break this up into kind of three subheadings for us. This not being ashamed of the gospel. The first thing we notice is that there are trials for the gospel. I mean, in one sense, we, we would think good news. Who would ever have to suffer for good news? Everybody wants to hear good news, but Paul is saying, no, I'm suffering for this good news. Look again in verse verse 8, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God. Verse 12, for this reason, the gospel's sake, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Paul says, I'm suffering, Timothy. I'm enduring some hardship. I'm going through some trial in my life as a result of this good news concerning Jesus Christ. Don't let that cause you to pull back. You continue to be willing, even if you need to, to join in these sufferings. You know, I don't understand why anybody would have to suffer for good news. My my son and daughter-in-law are getting ready to have a child. Uh, we've got two little grandkids from my oldest daughter. Now this is my son. He's now getting into the program that we've been hoping for and praying for. And they're very excited. They broke the news no, news to us on Thanksgiving, and we were all just a family. We were all celebrating it. And and then just recently, we were with them this past weekend, and they let us know that they're having a boy. And it was so cool the way they did it. They put it in this little card at dinner. And uh, we were there, and Justine's mom and, and stepdad were there. So we were all together. Okay, we have cards for you guys. Oh, nice. Now open them up together. Read them together. I mean, they were so excited. They couldn't wait for us to get to this good news. And they announced that they're having a son. What his name? Oh, we were just good news. And, and you know, when you think about this gospel message that God loves us, and that God has sent his son, to accomplish salvation on our behalf, why would anybody be ashamed of that? And why would anybody have to suffer for that good news? Well, here's the truth about the good news of the gospel. Not everyone is interested in the news. Not everybody is receiving this good news message in the same way. In fact, Jesus alerted his disciples to this, even when he he was teaching them and dealing with the Pharisees and you know, he, he says in Mark two seventeen, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, people were saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with all these sinners? And he said, well, they're the ones that need the physician. I'm here to heal. I'm here to save. I'm here to bring good news. And it's the ones who know that they are in need that are open to the good news. You see, I didn't come for the righteous, those who think they don't need saving. You see, there are some who are just self-righteous. What do I need a Savior for? I'm a good person. What do I need Jesus for? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm better than most. I, I'm okay. The whole idea of the gospel also insinuates the idea that, you know what? You need saving. Well how dare you say I need saving? I'm a good person. I you know how dare you say that my lifestyle or my thoughts are wrong or who are you to judge me? You hater, you narrow-minded person. I can live any way. I don't. Why do I need a savior? And so there's this resistance and it's not new in our generation. It's been throughout time. John in his gospel said this. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, Jesus. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Not everybody wants that good news of a Savior brought to their heart. Some because they're self-righteous and religious, and that were the Pharisees. They hung Jesus on the cross for his message of good news, insinuating that they were not already righteous before God because of their religious practices. So that resists the message. And then there are others, as John says, that just, you know what? They don't want to change. They don't want to be saved from their sin. They want to continue living in their sin. They don't want that light coming in and saying, hey, by the way, you're sinning, but God loves you and wants to forgive you. Oh, I don't don't want forgiveness. I don't even want to change. And so this message sometimes gets persecuted. And that's what was happening to Paul. He was being persecuted by the religious Jewish Uh, people. He was being persecuted by the Roman Empire. Nero was the the Caesar. And, And this whole idea of somebody else being king of kings and lord of lords was a threat to the Roman Empire. And so persecution breaks out. Not everybody wants it. They need it, but they don't think they need it. They don't appreciate it. And maybe you can relate to that. I mean, you know, I was thinking kind of an illustration of this. I was thinking, well, what if, what if somebody comes to you and says, hey, guess what? I got you a senior citizen discount card that I want to give to you, and, you, and you're 35. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. I, you know, oh, you know, I just thought you could really use it. Not only do you not need it, now you're offended that they think you do need it. You look like you need it, right? Here's a gym membership. You really could use it. Nobody's interested in that kind of good news or that kind of gift. So you see this pushback against the gospel. But now imagine another scenario. Imagine that you are suffering from a chronic illness. And and imagine that you have been suffering with this illness for years. And in your search to get well, you have gone from doctor to doctor. You've, You've exhausted the medical world for some solution to your trouble. Nothing has, got, nothing has worked. In fact, your situation, circumstance, your health continues to deteriorate. And not only are you worse physically, but now you're broke financially. But then you hear a, you hear a message of a man by the name of Jesus. And he's claiming to be the son of God. And, and this reputation is going throughout your community about this so-called Jesus. And he's, and he's performing miracles. God is, is working miraculous things through him. And then you hear that this Jesus is coming through your town. And you, and you recognize that he's now on your street. He's coming through your marketplace. And there's a big group of people traveling with him. It's that one I've been hearing about. It's that Jesus. And in your mind, faith rises up. Something in your heart, and you begin to, to believe he is the son of God. He does have answer for me. If I could just touch the hem of his garment... I could be well, I could be healed. What the doctors could not do, what I cannot do for myself, if I could but just touch his clothing, I could be instantly healed. And so she presses through the crowd. You know the story. And she reaches out and she touches his garment. And the Bible says immediately she was healed. This miraculous touch of faith. You see, many were touching him in that crowd. They weren't receiving the the blessing, the miracle of healing, but this one touch of faith. Now, I tell you, that's good news. For her that day, that was good news. Jesus immediately stopped in the crowd. He said, who touched me? (laughs) The disciples, well, Jesus, you're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. No, no. I was touched by faith. Power went out. I sensed it. And the woman came forward. It was me. He said, daughter. Your faith has made you well. You see, the good news of the gospel, it has to be met with a heart of faith that reaches to receive. This is where the miracle of salvation takes place. This is where all of the blessings of God are found. And some simply are not interested. Some are offended. But some, well, some are desperate. Some are desperate for a good news message that God loves me. And that he's willing to forgive me and cleanse me and save me. This is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel will save anyone who is willing to receive it. It's available for all, even though for many, it's resisted, persecuted. And Paul is going through this issue of actually suffering for the gospel. So this is, a, this is a message for us believers in our generation. You know, there may be some suffering that comes with your believing and following the good news of the gospel. Maybe it will come through family members who don't want to hear about Jesus, Steve, even though you would like to share it. You know, I met a, a Muslim, a converted Muslim man in India. This was some years back. He was telling me his testimony. He grew up in a Muslim home, but he came to faith in Christ. And at that, <clears throat> at that time, he hadn't spoken to, to any of his brothers or any of his parents for like 15 years. They completely disowned him. Once he came to Christ, they cut him off. They, they were, he was dead to them. Now, that's suffering. But he was so grateful to know Christ. He said, I've got one sister who still speaks to me. But he said, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to family f- to lose what I have in Christ. I've come to the truth. I've come to the gospel. And this is the idea. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, although there may be trial. There may be resistance. It's not, you know what? It, it's not really all that fashionable today especially when you talk about the claims of Jesus, the exclusivity of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. People are okay if if you want to have Jesus, and in your mind there are many ways to God. Jesus just happens to be your way. People are okay with that claim concerning Jesus, but that's not what Jesus said about himself. Jesus said, no, this is the message. This is the only message. This is the only way to have relationship with a God who loves you. You see, that, that chafes at a lot of people, in our, in, even in our culture. It's, it's kind of out of fashion to be Christian. We, we seem to be marginalized in some ways. And this was happening in Paul's day, and Paul's concerned. Young Timothy, don't let these things dissuade you. Don't be ashamed, even though there may be trial that will come to your life as a result of the gospel. And he even says to Timothy, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God. And that's the encouragement for you and me today. There will be trial. There will be persecution. There just may be, you know, family dynamics, workplace dynamics. Things happen once you are kind of on the radar as a believer and follower of Christ. But what Paul says is, don't be afraid, Timothy, of those sufferings. Jump right in with me, according to the power of God. Because the power of God is going to meet you there. God, you're not alone in this journey. The Spirit of God will will come and aid you and bring you through. And will actually sometimes use those occasions of circumstance and friction to actually further your faith and his work through your life. This is what was happening even in the Apostle Paul's life. God is, is active in, in a powerful way in the life of those who are devoted to this message of the gospel. A lot of people would like to see the power of God in their life, right? Oh, I just need the power. Well, join in the sufferings for the gospel, and you'll see some power. No, no, I need the power to get rid of all this suffering. I want power to just solve all my problems. But see, the power of God is active in the work of God, in the gospel work of the God. Isn't that what Jesus said concerning the power of the Holy Spirit? You shall receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Here's what the power is for, disciple, to shine for Christ no no i don't want to i don't want to be on the radar for Christ, but I sure want his power in my life. Well, the power hasn 't come for you to kind of hide under your own basket. no a light is is to be set up on a hill it 's to be put on a, on a light and let your light shine that 's where the power of God. Get in step with what God is doing. you will see his power. You will see God work that 's where the stories of of testimonies and miracles are they 're not you know, in, in the, in the below-the-radar Christian who doesn't ever want to be known or share or is ashamed in some way of this message. No, you get involved in the kingdom work, and you will see that God will meet you in power. So there is a trial for the gospel. The second thing that Paul clearly identifies here is the truth of the gospel. This is why it's so important to be bold with it, because It's true. It is the truth. Look what he says, verse 9, and he elaborates some of what the gospel, the truth of what the gospel accomplishes. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Well, there's the first big truth about the gospel. It saves. It saves from sin. Nothing else will cleanse your sin. You can't be righteous enough. You can't tip the scales to get rid of your sin. You've got to come and receive the grace of God in the gospel and have your sins cleansed and renewed, your life renewed. You have to have be cleansed from your sin, and the gospel is the only method that God has offered to be cleansed and saved from sin. We're saved from the guilt of it through forgiveness. We're also saved from the penalty of sin, and the penalty of sin is death. Let's not, make, let's not hide this. Look, sin brings death. It, it kind of works that into our character, even into our life and into our circumstance. There's this bondage. There's this corruption that sin brings. God wants to heal that. God wants to reverse all that. But then there is a judgment ultimately before God. The Bible says it is appointed to all men once to die, and then comes the judgment But Jesus is offering eternal life. You won't be judged for your sins. You will actually, as he was resurrected, you too shall be resurrected and live eternally with him. That's the message of the gospel. It saves from the penalty of sin. Look what he says in verse 10. Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You want to live forever? You want to live forever with God? He's offering that through the message, the light, the truth of the gospel. Who else has conquered death? Come on, death is the enemy of us all. We all know we're headed there. We don't think about it. We don't like to think, it, but it's coming. It's the enemy of mankind. It's a result of sin. Jesus has abolished it. He's stolen its power through his sacrifice at the cross, through his resurrection, being the firstborn, the Bible says, of many brethren. He's pioneered the way to resurrection, and many will follow. This is the hope and promise of the gospel. It saves. It rescues us from sin and its consequence. But not only does it save, he says that it also calls us. Look again there, verse 9, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling." The gospel doesn't just rescue from sin. It's not just, uh, you know, fire insurance against hell. This work of the gospel saves you, but then it calls you. God is not saving you to send you back to the old life. God is saving you out of the old life into newness of life. He's got a whole new plan. He's got a whole new creation worked in you through salvation. This gospel speaks of a new purpose, a new destiny, a new future, a new meaning for your life. You've been called. Well, yeah, I mean, Paul was called. Timothy was probably called. Pastor, maybe you're called, but, you know, I don't know that I'm called. Listen, we're all called. This gospel calls us all. Paul says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. Paul says, look, this is my new gig. (laughs) I used to be a Pharisee studying to be the best of the Pharisees. Then I met Jesus, and I heard this gospel news, and then God appointed me. Mike, not only did he save me, but he called me. He gave me this task to preach as an apostle, one who is sent out. I'm on the road. I'm moving. I'm preaching, and then when I spend time in a city, I teach. I go from house to house, and I teach people about Jesus, this gospel, what he's done, what he has for us. This has changed my life, Paul would say. My, my career was, you know, path has been completely altered. I used to persecute these Christians, hated them. Now I'm one of them and promoting others to become one of them. A complete new direction for life and living. Listen, each one of us has a calling. There is a divine plan and purpose for your life. And the gospel calls you to it. This message of Christ He calls you. You didn't choose me, Jesus said. I chose you to come and to bear fruit, to to live the life I've destined for you. Each of us has a calling. Are you married? There's a calling on your life. As a husband, as a wife, God's got a calling for that marriage. And if you're in that marriage, God's got a calling for you. Are you a, a student? God's got a calling for you in the way that you would conduct yourself on campus. Are you an employee? Are you a parent? Are you a church member? God has calling on each life. There is something that God of his gospel that he wants to work into every area of life. How are these things discovered? Well, they come through prayer. They come through the the reading of the word. God begins to give insight. God begins to open these truths up. And then they come through fellowshipping with other believers who we kind of you know, some, some of our calling is caught rather than taught. We, we kind of catch on to what God is up to living around other Christians who are fulfilling their calling. But here's the beautiful thing about this gospel. Yes, it saves. Yes, it calls. But it comes to us all through grace in Jesus Christ. It's free. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to do anything to qualify for it. Yeah, pastor, this is, this is good news. This sounded good. I want, I want to get in. What do I have to do? What do I have to become? Maybe I need to clean my act up. Maybe I need to get, you know, get things worked out so I can cut. No, listen, it's all by grace through Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 9. Not according to our works, this whole calling, this whole gospel, this work that it's doing in me, the truth of it. It's not according to anything I've done, Paul would say, but according to his own purpose and grace, Which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This whole work of good news, it's all because God willed it. It was in His heart, it was in His purposed will. God has always cared about us. Even before time began, God had a plan to come and to save. God didn't think of, think of this after, you know, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. <gasps> now what are we going to do? Listen, before time began, before God created the heavens and the earth, before he made mankind, he knew that man would fall. He knew that when he gave man free will, he knew that when he gave man that, that ability to choose, that, that he would stumble, but he already had it in his heart but we'll save him. We'll come for him. I'll send my son for them. Already this kind intention of his will, it's from eternity past. God loves you. He's always loved you. He's always wanted you. He's always desired relationship with you. It's been his plan from eternity past. Nothing that you've done, nothing that that has happened is, has shaken God. Don't you know he knew who you were, what you, were gonna, you and I going to be like before we became what we're like? Sometimes we think, oh, you know, God could save her or him, but I don't know. I'm a special case. Listen, God knew your case before it was a case, and God knew that he would come for you. This is the beauty of the gospel. It's not by works. It's by grace. It's a gift. It's free. It comes from the heart of a loving God. And I just want to say it. How, I don't know how else to say it, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. God loves you, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, will save you. It will call you. It will change your life forever. None of you are disqualified, and none of you have to do anything but receive it by faith, just like that woman pressing through the crowd, if I could just touch him. And sure enough, that touch of faith brought the healing and grace of God into her life. Jesus didn't even know who it was. She didn't do anything to earn or deserve. She just had faith in the Jesus that she'd heard of. And this is what God continues to do in our lives today. I feel strongly impressed to say that just one more time. No matter who you are and no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through right now, the love of God and the power of his gospel is able to save and call you and save you, as the Bible says, to the uttermost. Nothing is impossible with God. Finally, and we'll close here today, Paul talks of his trust in the gospel. Yes, there is a trial for the gospel, but there is great truth of the gospel and Paul now has completely put his trust in the gospel. Look again verse 12. For this reason, this gospel, this message of Jesus. I also suffer these things; nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He's in prison. He's in a dungeon. You ever been in a discouraging situation? You ever been alone and cold and, and wondered, you know, what the future held? You ever questioned what God was up to and wondering, Lord, Are you sure that all these promises that you've given my heart are true? Paul would say, even in this this place, I'm suffering. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, this may be the end of my life, but I am persuaded of this, that everything that I've committed to him is in good hands. He has my future. He has my hopes and my dreams. He has everything that I can commit to him. I know whom I have believed. Paul knew Jesus. Paul had a relationship with Jesus. He wasn't guessing. He wasn't hoping. He knew in his heart that everything he hoped for would be a reality. He knew Jesus because he had this relationship with Jesus. You and I. Find this strength. You want to trust in the gospel? Then know whom you've believed. Get to know Jesus. You know, Paul had a had just an intimate relationship with him through prayer, through revelation of his word, and also through going through the trials that Jesus showed himself faithful through. That's the hard part, church. Some of the deepest... Trust in Jesus is found in the deepest valleys. That's where you discover just how faithful and true he is. When when no one else can meet you and he's there. We sang it this morning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I am completely persuaded that this gospel, this news of Christ that has come and changed and worked such uh, grace in my life, I am persuaded that everything I've trusted to him and committed to him is in safekeeping till that day. And that ultimately is the, the, the call For us, if you if you want to live a life that's never ashamed of the gospel, there has to be certain things you're you're depositing and keeping with him because this life is going to bring challenge and questions and confusion. But but you know what? I know him. I know whom I believed, and I know that everything he's promised is true. I don't know how he's going to navigate my life. I don't know all that my future holds, but I know who holds it. And I'm confident that he loves me. And I'm confident that he's powerful and strong and able and mighty to save. And I'm confident that everything I would trust into his hand is the best place for my hopes, my dreams, my future to be. Sometimes we hold back. I trust the Lord here, but I better keep a good handle on this. I better keep this area of my life. And, and in a sense, in, a, in an indirect way, there's a little bit of, a, of being ashamed of the gospel. I don't completely trust the hand and promise and goodness of God. We try to navigate, you know, a little gospel and just a little of my own way too. And God is calling us to surrender it to him. Everything, every priority, every passion, every future hope. We sing it, don't we? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for these verses that come to us. From heaven, these words were spoken written by the Apostle Paul, but they were inspired by the Spirit of the living God to encourage a young man and his generation to hold true to the gospel, to not shy away, to not pull back from this message of Jesus Christ and what he has come to do and accomplish. And, Lord, it's a message to our hearts today. I hear my own name in these words. Richard, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Join in whatever suffering may come your way by the power of God, because he's faithful and you can trust whatever you need to commit into his hand. And I pray, Lord, this would be a word that would resonate in every heart here today, that we would remember that you loved us and came for us. And even before time began, God, you were thinking of us. And as our heads are bowed here today, we're going to partake communion together celebrate the Lord's table, but just before we pass out the elements, I do want to give an opportunity. If you're here today, and you just need to respond to what God has spoken into your heart. And it may be that, that you've never really received this good news concerning Jesus Christ. You've heard it, you know something about it, but you've never really made it your own. You're kind of living on the fringe, kind of around Christianity, but not really in, not really a partaker of this gospel, this grace. I'd love to pray for you if you would want to receive Christ into your heart today and ask him to forgive you, ask him to save you, ask him to call you to his good will and purpose. Or maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your heart. This happens. Sometimes as Christians, we do draw back or through sin or distraction, we get off track. And maybe there are some here today, you know, I, I'm kind of, to be honest, I, I think I am living a little bit ashamed of the gospel. Oh, not, not blatantly or maybe even saying it, but just the way I'm living, I, I'm, I'm really not making it the priority that, that I know God is calling me to give. And you just need to commit your heart and say, you know what, what am I, what am I thinking? What am I doing? It's you, Jesus. It's your call. I want to give all of my heart to this message of love and truth. You just need to recommit your heart to him. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you need to receive Christ or you want to recommit, rededicate your heart to Christ, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand where you're seated. And I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll partake of communion together. Anybody here today, God is speaking to you. You need this prayer. You need to come to Christ. You need to come back and rededicate your heart. There's a hand there right in the center section. God bless you. Anyone else? The Lord speaking to you? Back left. Okay. God bless you. Any others? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to say, Jesus, I believe, I receive, I commit my heart. Amen. Another hand. God bless you. Another one over here. Hand in the very back center. God bless you. the ushers to go ahead and begin handing out the bread and then we'll pray and partake together amen just before I pray as they're handing out the elements anyone else say pastor I need this prayer for me see you both go ahead guys so Lord I do thank you for these hands and hearts responding to you And the good news is that, Lord, it's not by any works. It's not by any merit of ours. But it's from the good plan and heart of God from eternity past. And it comes to us by grace, a gift freely given from a loving God to that hand, to that heart that reaches out. Just as that woman who pressed through the crowd, she reached out. She touched Jesus and the blessings of salvation flooded into her life. So for these hearts responding today, God, that you would meet them as they are extending their hand to you. Lord, I just pray that you would love them and embrace them. And those of you that have raised your hands, just allow me to pray on your behalf. Align your heart with this prayer. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Save me from my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I want the power of God, the call of God. I want to to live the life that you've planned for me. I want to be with you for all eternity. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Jesus, for your death, for your resurrection, for this good news, the gospel of salvation. Fill my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.